Hey everybody, I'm Rick Todd. And I'm Jeremy Williams, and you're listening to Wine. Why not? A queer podcast. Episode nine. The last of the Watermark Jedi's. <laughs> what superpower would a Watermark Jedi have? Um the You know what? Maybe what they could do, your superpower, is you can make make people read the whole article and not just the headlines. <laughs> It would take a Jedi's uh, magic to make that happen. We're going to have to get everyone on staff to do that first before I move outside to the real world. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. I'm sure our sales team reads everything we post. <laughs> I'm sure your publisher does, too. I think the sales team does. In fact, the, someone from the sales team the other day started talking to me about a story that we posted online. As if I had read it, and I was like, I guess I shouldn't let on that I haven't yet. So, I mean, we post a lot of stories online. It's hard we to read do. them all. We do. There's a lot going on right they now. Gotta, I mean, it's not hard to read them all. It's just hard to read them all immediately when they yeah. get posted. So, yeah. Um, Jeremy, what you drinking today? I am drinking, I'm going to butcher this name, Miomi. Miomi. <laughs> uh, so if you're if you're a regular listener, you know that Jeremy drinks wine during the the podcast. That's yes. why he's the wine, and I'm a I'm a, a friend of Bill. So um, and if you know what that means, then you probably are too. <laughs> but I uh, so I don't drink. Um, but Jeremy's been drinking like like this cardboard box. Yes, well, a single we, cardboard we, box. We kicked wine. it off fancy like, and the first episode I was drinking wine from a bottle, and then. You know, the budget kicked in and the cardboard boxes kicked in. Um, so this is the first glass bottle um, since the inaugural episode that I'm drinking. Um, and it's it's nice. It's very lovely. Yeah, I thought it would be nice to just to try something different and it would be something we could talk about, like what you're drinking. And I wanted to get this brand because it's actually my husband's favorite brand. He doesn't drink the Cabernet that, that you have. He Did usually... I mention it was a Cabernet? It is a Cabernet yeah. for those... Who didn't hear me mention it? And, <laughs> I don't um, think you did. But he drinks the Pinot, which you don't like. But so not a Pinot. So we. Uh, so I got this. Uh, I asked you what it was to see what you would say because I can't pronounce it. And he and I just call it meow meow. Meow so, meow. <laughs> at the grocery store, we didn't know if we needed to get a, um, a corkscrew. Like a corkscrew. Yeah. So I, uh, I I called my husband and I said, "Is meow meow a twist stop?" That was our conversation. Uh, That's all I said. He said yes, and I hung up. Uh, adequate that you call it meow meow because it tastes like cat piss. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I am kidding. Creators of meow meow, send us I, a free case. I'm gonna think it's meowmi. Meowmi? Yeah, that sounds about right. It yeah. sounds like an anime wine. <laughs> meowmi. Sounds exciting. So we are on episode nine. Uh, yes. For those that listen to episode eight, I'm going to deviate from the script here. I'm not sure. oh, I know Jeremy <laughs> loves it when I do this. I always get through everything easily. Uh, so last week, we talked about the Oscars. Yeah. And we talked about not just what's queer about them, but that was the bulk of it. But we just kind of talked about everything else that we loved or didn't like about the Oscars. I had three pages of notes and monopolized that conversation. And I feel terrible about that because I know that the Oscars is like your, your big moment. So I thought we would do this. That yes. we would each say one thing about the Oscars that we didn't get a chance to say last week. Oh, if I knew you were going to do this, I'd have re-listened to the podcast because I don't remember what I said last week. <laughs> I just re- I remember on the co- on the walk to the car, Jeremy's like, I didn't say this, and I didn't say this, and I didn't say this. Um, you go first. I will. Me- okay, go ahead. I will because I, I obviously have mine. Yeah. Because. Uh, I was reminded of this the other day when my notes from the podcast were were like scattered in my living room in the in St. Pete, and my husband's friend Tina was over, and she looked at the glance at the notes and she said, "Oh my God, you saw Cocaine Bear," and I was like, "No, I wanted to talk about Cocaine Bear, <laughs> and I didn't get the the, the opportunity to." So I just want to say. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen Cocaine Bear. I don't know if there's anything LGBTQ about it. Um, I hope that there is when we see it, so I can movie. But the concept cracks me up. Um, Elizabeth Banks is the creator of it. She cracks me up. Um, the fact that there was a bear at the Oscars identified as Cocaine Bear cracks me up. Although I do. Th- oh. 
Uh, it starts with an M. I don't. I, My, I'm not, I'm, My, Mayala. No. I'm not gonna try to say her name. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna get it right too. And I, you don't want to. She was just she's just an activist. She was um she was shy. Um, the Taliban, the right? Taliban, yeah. I believe, and uh, and she's she's an actress. She's, she's out there. Well, Cocaine Bear went up to her. It's an idol craft going Yeah, on I feel like uh, Jimmy Kimmel was trying to make her a part of the the show, like just get her invited. And he made a joke with her about Taylor Swift, and she's like, no, I'm not. And I was like, I don't think she wants to play Jimmy. I don't think she wants unless to play. she just got Botox. Because you know sometimes you can't tell if people yeah. get Botox for a show like that, then you can't tell if they're excited or not about what's I, going on. So she was just very. Uh, of everyone in that audience, I'm not sure she's the she would be one that would be concerned about the Botox. I don't know. People get wrinkles. I'm That's just saying. true. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean so, something that I didn't get to mention that this I this is what's so great. I'm sorry um, that somebody's listening and they they're texting me, Malala. Malala. There yeah. you go. Um, so yeah, it's something that I really thought was exciting about uh, the Oscars as an '80s kid, uh, and this was after he had win after he had won his Oscar. Uh, Kihi Kwan, when he was doing the uh, the press in the back, uh, they were talking about um, the Goonies because he was in the Goonies in the '80s, and apparently throughout the whole award season, all of his co-stars from the Goonies they still talk, and they were calling him and sending him congratulation messages. Uh, and I just love the fact that the Goonies still all check in on each other. I love it too. What's yeah. the saying? Goonies forever. Is uh, that what Goonies it is? never die. Goonies never die. Wow. None of them are dead yet. No, aren't they? No. No. Oh no, those They're are those were Tertellis. The Tertellis yes. are. Yes, the Goonies. Um, Goonies I never love say the die. Goonies. I love everything about it. I want so bad for them to make a Goonies now. Like, isn't there some reason that they all need to get back together? And then do for the something. Money. I don't want it to be. <laughs> they all need to get together for the money. <laughs> well, not all of them. Some of them may have money. I don't want it to be uh, a bunch of new people and a new storyline. I want it to be the original Goonies have to get back together for some reason. Yeah. I'm down for Maybe that. Maybe they go to Gasparilla. I mean, that's pirate themed, right? <laughs> it sure is. <sighs> I don't understand the pirate thing. Just gonna say that out loud. It's a whole, and then we can move on. It's a whole Tampa thing. So, uh, what you did this week? Anything fun? I did. I did. My uh, my mother and my sister. My sister lives in North Dakota. My mother lives in Georgia. They both came down, uh, and uh, we they wanted to go do some stuff on iDrive. Um, as 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 two people, you and I, who live in Orlando, we know that you never go to iDrive. That's for the tourist. But uh, we we. Uh, we decided, okay, they want to go there. So we went to um, Titanic, the artifact oh, yeah. exhibition, uh, which was a lot of fun. She, my sister is a big history buff, and she loved the movie Titanic. We actually went and saw it together uh, when it first came out. Um, so it was kind of you know this fun thing for, for us to do. It was me, my mom, my sister, my younger brother. Uh, and they do this interesting thing when you go. You, you see all the artifacts, and uh, you, they have a giant block of ice, so you can see how cold it was for those poor people who died <laughs> in the water. Um, is it uh, is it from the uh, original iceberg? Uh, I didn't ask, but maybe I don't know how long that I, ice lasts. I imagine there's a plaque on it somewhere that says that it is. Just uh, who's going to question it? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't prove it is or isn't. Uh, but something that they do that's a little morbid, but is actually kind of fun, is before you go and walk through the museum, they have cards with all the people who boarded the Titanic, and you pick up card. And then at the end of the exhibit, you find out if you lived or died. So we got to the end, and uh, I have become, in the 24 hours since we went uh, to the Titanic, um, I have become obsessed with who I was. So um, my name was Carl Albert Mitzjul. Um, I am Norwegian. <laughs> That explains, um, that explains the accent, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's okay, because I know what you're thinking. You can't use that accent. But However, you are? I pulled up, for, for the fact that I thought you would judge me, I pulled up my Ancestry.com, and I am, in fact, 8% Norwegian, so I can make all the jokes I want. Or just that one. <laughs> 8% of my jokes can be Norwegian. <laughs> um, so we go through... And they give you a little backstory of the person, of you know, uh, some information on them. And so, 
you get the information and you can kind of figure out whether you lived or died. So here's the stats I got. My name was uh, Carl. We'll just go with the first name. I was 21. Uh, I was from Norway. I was a third class citizen. I traveled by myself because I wanted mm. to go to Chicago. It's not looking good for you, Carl. So my card <laughs> says um, you were bunked in the third class with all the other single men. And I was like, well, mm. I can't complain about that. Tell me more about your trip, Carl. (laughs) Uh, So my brother was a, I think he was in his mid-30s. He was also a single male, and he was in third class. And then my mom and my sister were second-class ladies who boarded the boat with their husbands. My brother is the only one who died. I survived, and it shocked me. So I, I did a little research on him, and the reason I survived is because I made it to the deck, and I came to one of the lifeboats, and First Officer Murdoch said, go ahead, there's room on this boat, go ahead and get on it. Murdoch is the one, if you've seen Titanic, who points the gun at people, he's like, order, I'll have order, and then shoots the kid and then shoots himself. That guy let me on a boat and let me live. He shot Fabrizio. Yeah. But but he he let you live. He let me live. That almost sounded like this weird, I shot the sheriff song. Uh, anyway, well, I'm I, shocked that you lived. I, didn't I think that am. You would. I was so excited. I actually shouted when I found out I was. I lived. I s- shouted in the museum. I survived. And anybody who's been to a museum um, knows you're not supposed to be loud in the museum. So of course, my mother shushed me, and well, I was like, mm. "And it's just rude to yell I lived around a bunch of people who died." That's true. That's true. <laughs> but they're dead, so they can't hear me. <laughs> So you can be a anyway, goody because you lived. I did because because Carl never says die. Um, but uh, yeah, so he made it Carl's to Chicago. Never <laughs> mm. He uh, he moved from Chicago up to North Dakota, um, and then back to Chicago. Got married, had kids, lived a well a sort of full life. He he died at forty eight because of a heart condition. But I mean, he got a few extra. He got what is that twenty six years, twenty seven years? He got so good on you, Carl. You had a good huh. life. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't been there, it's any it's chance a, that Carl wrote a book about his exploits below the deck? I don't know. <laughs> However, now that I know that I'm eight percent Norwegian, I'm gonna see if maybe I'm related to Carl. Maybe that is my great 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 grandfather, and I'll find his diary and some old shit that I got from family members, <laughs> and it'll talk about his stories down in third class with the other single men. Anyway, nothing, how was your week? <laughs> nothing would make me happier than if all of that was true. Oh, that would, that would be awesome. Um, you know, I want to say real quick, um, when when Brian listens By the way, really quick this, before you do that, yeah. I do want to say on my notes, I did write, order, I have order, so I remembered who he I, was. I, I've tried to think, order, order, order. I, say. I said order. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. And then he shoots, yeah. Then and he then shoots he shoots himself. Him. Yeah, then he shoots himself. I'm surprised that he didn't shoot you. As gun happy as he is. Are you sure he's not from America? I'm so gun happy. He must be. Sexy 21-year-old. I'm like, please let me on the boat, sir. He's like, all right. Okay, so Ryan, who is the managing editor for Watermark, the company that that we all have day jobs (laughs) That pays for all of us. Yeah, that pays for (laughs) for this shenanigans, for us to just have a conversation. Um, He is obsessed with Titanic. Is he? Yes. Oh, we've got to do this when he comes into town. <gasps> that could be our mid-year retreat. That would be so much fun. Yeah, it would be. I love Titanic, too. I got to tell you that um, when I saw the movie, like most people, right, I don't think that this is odd of me to say. I I, I had a breakdown at the end of the movie. God, did you cry? Did I cry? You this know is how a I conversation. Feel about I said no words. <laughs> For 10 minutes after this movie, and I'm sitting in my chair, and the guy I went to see the movie with was like, hey, Raycom, they're, they're, they need us to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> I, oh, it was, so, like, it, was, it was so good, right, that uh, the guy I was dating at the time, he and I said, that's it. We're going to New York. We're going to go see the Broadway show. And literally the next day, jumped in our car no, no, no plan whatsoever. Like, you don't have to buy tickets in advance, right? You can just tr- drive to Broadway yeah. and just buy a ticket. Right? There. That was our plan. We jumped in the car and just started driving. We were going to go to New York to see this, and we got to Savannah, Georgia, and we were like, "It's so far." 
so we just stopped in Savannah and spent the weekend, which is awesome because we went to like Club One and um, who's the? Do you know anything about that? Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil yeah. and the drag queen. That's I know real that famous Kevin there. Spacey's in the movie. <laughs> Want to talk about that? Yeah. I, yeah I know. Anyway, did I say Savannah? Um, I meant somewhere else. I meant Macon. Um, but good anyway. movie though. Great yeah. movie. Well, there's a lady or at Club One. There's a famous Chablis. Is that yeah, Lady yes. Chablis? I and knew that. Name we had was met there. her and hung out with her. It was really kind of cool. It was fun. Um, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's a I, that's a Savannah's a great town. I love it. It's beautiful. I mean, not New York and Titanic, but I assume that when you made it to Savannah, you all reenacted some of the scenes from Titanic. I imagine you hung out on the bed, and then he was on the floor holding hands. It was, it was a weird hybrid of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil <laughs> and, and this. He's part Leonardo and part Kevin Spacey. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's hard to think about what I did during the, during the week, right? Because, you know, I'm 48, and I, I always have to defer to what I did over the weekend. Because I can't remember that far back. You only have a 24-hour memory. Uh, but I will say, I went to the Masquerade Ball, uh, which is an event that Balance Tampa, uh, Balance Tampa Bay puts on every year. If you don't know what Balance Tampa Bay is, they are this fantastic group of Tampa Bay citizens that host events and they fundraisers. They do philanthropic work. They do. Yes. They, they host events and they raise money, not for themselves. They raise money for other organizations and this event, which is fantastic, is a fundraiser for Epic, uh, which is a what is it? it's an HIV slash sexual health slash hospital Clinic, all kinds of yeah. services. It's, it's a, a they call them all in one uh, all under one roof uh, HIV AIDS clinic. Yeah, and it's a they're they're a great group of guys that do it. Uh, Watermark uh, sponsors it, and they allow us to go in and have a good time. So so we did that. Um, I'm not a much of a mask wearer, you know. I just, uh, but when I was drinking, it's because we all spent our youth wearing masks, <laughs> weren't our whole lives masked <laughs> until we exited the closet. Um, but when I was drinking, I really hated it, especially like during Halloween or any of these things when you. I didn't want anything to get in the way of my lips and alcohol. Uh, but now it's just a, no, a nuisance. Yeah. And even though I don't wear glasses anymore, I'm just like, I can't see. I hate it all. So I just bejeweled, bedazzled my face. <laughs> Got a bunch of jewels, slapped them on there. And I think it worked out. It was really good. Um, yeah, I'm actually on our website. Uh, there's a, a gallery from the event this past weekend. So if you want to see his bejeweled face, go to watermarkonline.com. It's the very first photo. He's right there in the middle, uh, gotten them jewels. Nobody's wearing a mask. Well, the ladies are wearing a mask. Dylan and uh, Ryan didn't want Well, wanna... Dylan has little rhinestones on his eyeballs, little tiny ones. Ah. He just looks like a, like a club kid. Honestly, because I just glanced, I thought he just had eyeliner on. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you have nothing except that. Smirk that you always have on your face. <laughs> uh, y'all look good. I look hope good. that one day this podcast this podcast takes off and people all over the world listen to it and all know that Brian has a smug face. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll sue us. Ah, oh. oh, it's all good. So that was a lot of fun. That's a really a really good thing. But the other thing I did yesterday, um, I know that you're aware of this and not other people are. I also know that the person who likes to listen live to this podcast and text me as oh, my God, roommate. Oh, God, are we going to talk about We're going to talk oh. about it. <laughs> She's probably right now like, don't say it. Ugh. What's so funny is I wrote like, because uh, this podcast is called Wine, Why Not? And my note for myself is rats, rats not. <laughs> God, that puts every, just hearing you say the word rat puts a chill up my spine. It is, it's just been this ongoing saga. It's through no fault of our own. We're not like dirty, messy people. It's just, why is that funny? I just want to preface, because, <laughs> I mean, obviously, just, I mean, sometimes, you know, you get, we're in Florida, so you're going to get rats or, you're, or mice, so you're going right. to get roaches, but I love how everybody has to preface it with, no, you need to understand, <laughs> we are clean people. <laughs> this, we don't deserve this. Okay, what, what Jen and I have gone through, no one deserves. <laughs> I'm not even gonna get into like the the, the nitty gritty of the of the details of it, but it just it started off 
about just hearing, you know, just like little noises in the attic. And we're just like, oh, there's be a squirrel up there or something like that. And it escalated to this thing where there was just, and it, you know what? It may have been just the same rat that was coming in and out of the house like it had a code to the door or something it was it was insane i mean it's just it, it, it's so much so that it it became we have a, a routine when when we would hear something or and know that it was like not in the in the attic but in the house somehow we would we would have this reaction and it was kind of funny because it involves me screaming in a very high pitched squeal and jumping on something. And then immediately we just run to, for this area where we have a bunch of folding tables. So then we just jump right into action and just put this thing together that, that, that pins it in and gets it a path to the outside world. Uh, because we don't want to like, I mean, well, we don't want to kill them. You're letting it outside to gather reinforcements to come back. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, hey, come in here. They they opened the door for you. So it's just crazy. I mean, it got so bad that it, it, was, a, it was literally like a horror movie. Just to, ugh. I, I don't want to get into to too many details because it, it was just so, I mean, I've seen, I've seen them. Yeah. And that's, that's horror enough, right? So... Uh, finally, we called somebody, and they came in, and, and we just said, we found out, like, they're just coming in from the outside, obviously, yeah. right? They're just coming in and, and doing what they want to do, and, and they seem to really enjoy dog food. So if you see a pile of dog food in your house somewhere, and it's not where you put it, Rats. you might want to look into that. So we had it, like, we went nuts with, with sealing this place in. We said, we need you to, we found the holes that, that they were coming into, and so we basically were like, build a concrete wall on these holes, and they did. And it's been weeks now, and finally we got to the point where we're like, okay, I mean, it's been weeks, it's eradicated, <laughs> eradicated, <laughs> and it's all it's all fine and good. So yesterday, you I put got the to, tables away. I got, <laughs> <laughs> they got back. No, I can't. I can't put the, the tables away because all of the, everything that we normally put in the attic is oh. and where the tables <laughs> would go. It's just a mess. So, but yesterday we finally got to start piecing the house back together because. You know, the the exterminator, they cut holes all over your house yeah. to to try to see what's going on in the walls and that kind of thing. So we uh we played um you know, handyman patching up holes yesterday and it was it was such a nice feeling to do this and know that we can we can exit. We don't have to worry about, you know, entertaining Mickey and Minnie anymore. Nice, nice. They were mice, they weren't rats. I don't want someone to message us who are Disney fanatics and be like um, actually, sir, Technically speaking. Mickey Mouse, it's in his name. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it's Minnie Rat. It might be. You don't know. Um, yeah, well, your, your ordeal, and uh, I don't, you know, we'll get into the religious talk later, but um, I don't know if I need to thank God or Allah or for what deity, but I, I uh, was house-sitting for you for a week uh, when you guys went on vacation, and... Uh, thank God I heard no rats. I saw no rats because I, I promise you I would have walked out of your house and never <laughs> returned. I may have returned with a flamethrower <laughs> and put them out of their misery. Yeah. But uh, thank God they stuck to whatever <laughs> nest they were living in. You were the only person that's been invited to the house since this has started because yeah. we're like, there's no way. Or except, <laughs> except my roommate's mom who has not <laughs> been to the house <laughs> since November. Uh, but it's, um, I am glad for you and for the dog that you were watching (laughs) (laughs) that, that, that noise didn't happen so that she wasn't abandoned. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's crazy is all I got to say about that. So let's get into some entertainment here. Let's talk. Speaking. I love, I love a good segue. Um, so, um, we're going to talk about the last of us. Yeah. And uh, the segue there is uh, if you played the second game, there is this clump of uh, zombie-fied monsters that they call the Rat King because it resembles um, – and, and one of our coworkers uh, told us about this, and we made the mistake of Googling it – what a Rat King is. And if you don't know what a Rat King is, I insist that you Google don't it. Don't Google it. And if you do Google it, don't image Google it. <laughs> Don't look but, at the uh, pictures. They call it the Rat King because it basically is an alien version of what a Rat King is. And uh, it's terrifying and it's gross. And I can't believe they put it in the game. Yeah. 
But it's in The Last of Us. And I hope that the silence of the rats is not them just forming a rat king. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, so the last time we talked about The Last of Us was after episode three, which I think is arguably the best hour of television in the history of television. Yeah, yeah. I, um... Uh, Megan Maloney, who is obviously married to Nick Offerman, who played Bill in that episode. Karen Walker. Karen for Walker, those, for, for those, those who are willing grace. Um, <laughs> she was, uh, I think she was talking on a podcast, actually. Not our podcast. Maybe someday. We could invite her. Yeah. Hey, Megan, Megan Maloney. Maloney, you're invited. Megan. <laughs> Megan. Come on. You don't Come have to on. do the voice. If you're listening... Bring your husband along. We want to talk about how that episode went. We'll um, extend that to if you are listening and it's five years from now, we, you can still come on. Yeah, if we're still doing it, you still yeah. come on. Um, but uh, she was like, I will be shocked as hell if everyone involved in that episode doesn't get an Emmy nomination. And I agree. Um, absolutely one of the best hours of television. Hour and 18 minutes. It's a super long episode. So um, an amazing episode of television. television. But the first season is over. Uh, we've yes. watched the the full season, um, so uh, give me your first thoughts. Well, um, I love the show. Yeah, I just want to say that I love the show, uh, and I love that it is queer enough for us to be able to talk about on this podcast. Because you know, I there's a lot of shows that I like, and I'm like, oh, we can't talk about that because it doesn't have this, yeah. this sort of queer angle. So I do like that. I uh, really like the the storyline of Ellie. And her relationship with her with her friend that she then right. you know, had romantic yeah. feelings for, and I, I like that whole thing. And in this, you know, in this chaotic world, it it's still, you know, when when I don't know the apocalyptic, and it's still an identifiable story, identifiable storyline, like it. Like that, every the emotions that she went through and discovering this about herself and and the the feeling that she had about how she told her father figure in this in the show, it all just brought back all of those memories of me coming to terms with myself and whether I was gonna tell my dad and how that was gonna how I was gonna do it and like didn't want to outright say it and I I just found all of that fascinating. Yeah, it's um it's it's. It's a good story if you, if, particularly if you're into those kind of zombie. If you watch The Walking Dead or you watch any of those zombie apocalypse type movie or shows, um, this is a really good uh, look at the fact that when a dystopian future is thrust upon you, um, life doesn't stop happening. Relationships still happen, and inner turmoil happens. And if you're born gay, you're still gay in the post, uh, you know, post apocalyptic zombie uh, world. And you still have to deal with those things. And you still yeah. have to deal with coming out to the, I mean, just the fact that you have to come out to, you know, your protector who's taking what, you across the country. Whether there's drag brunch or not, people yeah. are still born gay in the apocalypse. Yeah. And they so still have I the love the fact um, that they embrace these relationships. Because I think the two most important, outside of um, Joel and Ellie, I think the two most important relationships are, are Bill and Frank and Ellie and, and Riley uh, because they address relationships and finding love on the on the opposites of the spectrum. You have two older guys who find each other in the middle of this shit show, and you have these two younger girls who are still learning about themselves, and they're still able to um, grasp onto love and and friendship and acceptance within each other while the whole world is falling apart. So um, more so than any, and I'm upset, I love zo- anything zombie. Um, more so than anything I've seen, this this uh, this show was just, uh, just it really hit home um, the relationships that these people form. I agree with you 100%. And I, I found myself identifying with Ellie a lot, you know, where I've always been sort of the... I don't know. Some people who knew me when I was an alcoholic and drinking uh, might disagree with this, but I've always kind of like when I was younger, especially, I was very like studious and by the rules and 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 you know did my book learning and all that good stuff. And and anyone that I was interested in uh, in dating was the complete opposite: rule breaker, cuss all the time, probably like underage drinking and all this kind of stuff. And oh, I was like, I'm not gonna be that. So I found myself identifying with Ellie. And I got to be honest, I have I've had a hard time um, 
identifying with with her or just she, I unfortunately I look at her and I see her character from Game of Thrones yeah and I see this you know and and it so it hasn't like it's been hard for me to really empathize with her until this episode and then it really it just hit home for me so yeah oh, what's great. what's interesting and you'll really notice this um because obviously the show has been greenlit for a second season uh there is a sequel to the game that this this show is based off of um so something you'll notice when the second season starts or if you've played the second game is uh in the first game you think that this is uh, a, a joel story you think that the the whole point of playing this game or watching this show is to go through Joel's, um, his struggles. And you realize that this isn't about Joel. This is an Ellie story, starting with the first season, and especially once it gets into the second season. It's, an, it's a focus on Ellie, and Joel's just a character in her life. And it's the, it's the progression that Ellie goes through. Um, and uh, I hate to break it to the homophobes, but if you thought this season was gay... You ain't seen nothing yet because it gets super gay in the second season. Do they all go? Do they end up at the Blue Oyster? That's a police academy <laughs> joke. <laughs> um, it's gonna get yeah. It's gonna get super gay, and you're gonna get super pissed That's if a, you hated how gay the first season. I just want to take a moment to appreciate too. What year did this game come out? The game came out in 2013. Okay, so in 2013, a game comes out. That is about a teenager, a teenage, a teenage girl, yep. um, and who is who is a, a lesbian, and and I'm just mesmerized by that. You know, I think of like games that I used to play when I was a kid, and you know, it wasn't Pong. I mean, it was a step up <laughs> from that. There was combat. No, yeah. I was I, like Atari twenty six hundred, um, which I now feel like I'm twenty six hundred years old saying that. Uh, but games just have come a long way, and like yeah. there's this really intense, uh, beautiful storyline in, in in a lot of this. So the game impresses me. I haven't played it, so but I think I'm gonna go back and and yeah. play it. I'd and have to you... buy another PlayStation because I, I bought I bought several of them, and I end up giving them away because I'm like I don't have time for this. And then somebody will like play this game, and I'll buy another one. I, I will say this: that if you're not much of a game player and this is something that the kids do these days or have been doing over the last couple of years that I used to scoff at, but I actually find myself doing it now. Um, go on YouTube. You can watch um, gameplay that people upload on YouTube, and you can watch them play the game without you playing the game for the story. And it's it's like sitting and watching a miniseries. Mm. It's it's really fascinating. And That's something Jen likes to do. Yeah. She likes to watch me play games. Well, and when I can get out of the subway car. <laughs> when I can't, nobody wants to watch uh, that. But yeah, if you really love the the show and you you want to uh, you know put some money down for a PS Five, um, get The Last of Us Part Two. Because um, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts. What happened? However, more so than than any other form of entertainment, the second game um, changed my way of thinking. And there ain't a whole lot of movies, TV shows, or games that I can say I watched that or I played that. And it, I came out the other end changing my my thought process on how I process anger, how I process grief. It's really a powerful game. Hmm. And uh, anybody who really who liked the show, drop a couple hundred bucks, get yourself a PlayStation, and get the game. It's, it, it, you go in, it's like when you saw Titanic. At the end of the game, you just sit in your thoughts and your misery, and you're like, I, I just, I don't know how to process this. And then you just weep to yourself. Wouldn't it be crazy if there was some some way of like, like instead of uh, like if there's an Uber Games thing where you could just order a game and a console and it comes to you and you play it for a little while and then it goes. You Do you remember Blockbusters? Out. Yeah, Blockbuster. They used to um, you you could go rent. Do I remember Blockbusters? Blockbusters was my life in the nineties. Of course, I, <laughs> I realized I stopped my my thought. <laughs> Not Blockbuster. Do you remember when Blockbusters used to rent out? They rented out video games, but you could rent out the console, um, the console yeah. and VCRs. You remember when you could go? You didn't even have to have a VCR. You were like, you want to make it a Blockbuster night? You could get your popcorn, your movie, your VCR, your drinks, everything at Blockbuster. Every time somebody says VCR without fail, I'm reminded that my family bet on beta. 
Oh, no. And we bought a beta, Betamax machine, and we had Purple Rain on beta, and then they didn't make other movies on beta, so we watched Purple Rain a million times. As they say in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you chose poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a kid. I couldn't do anything. So I, I'd like to point out a couple of things that I love about this. Yeah. Well, one is queer-related, the others really aren't. But I, I do really, really like the fact that 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 Ellie's sexuality here isn't the driving force of this show. Yeah. You know, I, it's I, just who she is. It's just who she is, and I just love that so much. Um, so the Ellie's best friend is Riley. Yes. Played by Stormbreed. Yes. Who is. Uh, in Euphoria, she plays yeah. the sister of Zendaya. Also, if you saw A Wrinkle in Time, she was yes. the, the lead in that movie. But what I love the most about her is that she gave a gift to Ellie in that episode, episode seven, and it is a book of puns. And it, it makes the show so delicious for me. I just love it. So I'm not going to go through all the puns. Please watch the show. Yeah. Email us. What's your favorite pun? WWN at watermarkonline.com. Uh, but I want to say that I love zombie shows, like, or zombie or this kind of show. Yeah. But what I love about zombies in most zombie movies and TV shows is that they're slow. Mm-hmm. So when they're super fast, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And that scene in episode five, when that house collapsed <gasps> and, and they, they come came pouring, pouring out. out. Oh. Look, I've come face to face with rats. <laughs> that was not as scary as all of these like fungus people coming out of the ground and running and just like, oh, that was an intense scene. Yeah. That um and the the scene in the game, because a lot of scene it's it's funny how they were able to kind of craft this show to include a lot of Easter eggs that happen in the game so that people who played the game get that warm fuzzy, like, oh, it's the game on TV. Nerds. And then also (laughs) to take the story in a completely different direction than the game does because it's a different medium, right? You know, you you tell stories differently than, you know, you don't need 400 zombies wandering through a land where you're going around shooting because that's not the point of a TV show. That's the point of a game. So I know a lot of criticism for this first season um, was that there wasn't a whole lot of zombies. Uh, but I feel like you set the with this kind of show, you set the scene. Yeah, you see the the monsters. You you know they're out there, but they don't need to be the focus. They're the background because that's not what the show's about. Well, I don't. Yeah, right. Like I don't think many zombie shows at all are about the zombies. Well, if it's going to be a long term thing, you, you're yeah. talking like a series on a TV series. You're really talking about the human interaction in a world that humans don't run anymore. Yeah, and that's what what. Like it's fascinating. I mean, there haven't been, there weren't zombies in the last five seasons of Walking Dead, or was it like? I don't know. I gave up on The Walking Dead about five seasons in. Yeah, so. it, it was all right. It ended all right. But anyway, um, but two things uh, for the show. Um, just a little tidbit, like little Easter eggs. Um, the lat, the series finale. Uh, at the beginning, you meet, uh, you see Ellie's mom, and she's pregnant with Ellie, and yes. she's running through the woods. That actress is actually the one who voices Ellie in the video game. Um, won a lot of awards uh, for for voicing her. And it was just kind of poetic that the person who created Ellie in the video games in the show was the mother who birthed Ellie into the TV show. So very poetic. Also, she I call those nerdgasms. Nerdgasms. I I think that people that were really into it are like, ooh, this is awesome. (laughs) Oh, we were. (laughs) We were. Uh, but the lady who plays her and voices Ellie in the game is the young daughter from Growing Pains. Do you remember Growing Pains? The little girl? That's her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The other thing is if you Google The Last of Us, you get a little, um, one of the little fungus at the bottom of your screen. And if you click it, the fungus grows through your Google, which um, is terrifying and exciting for people who like little Easter eggs. So Google The Last of Us. I think you may have just named the show. Your fungus can grow through your Google. fungus can grow through your Google. (laughs) I think you might want to get that looked at. Um, yeah, I want to just point out one more like terrifying moment to me. Like I, I get so into this show. That's what I'm just saying. If you don't watch this show and you can stomach this kind of like apocalyptic zombie esque show, you should totally watch it because it's fantastic. So 
towards the last episode, there is this uh, society that Ellie gets kidnapped and dragged into, mm-hmm. and they're running out of food, and they're eating their dead. Right, but a lot of the people soil it green is people. But also the the guy who leads it is a former school teacher, right? I think he was a teacher. I think he worked with kids. A priest. He was he's a he's a priest in in the current apocalyptic time. But I think pre-apocalypse. I think you're right. Yeah, I think he was was like a a teacher teacher. or something like that. Uh, Well, he's a child molester. Right, I mean that was the whole thing. He was trying to yes, court trying, Ellie yes. to marry him, and that together they were going. Yeah, the to... whole scene takes on kind of one of those um, religious cult kind of connotations, where he, you yeah. know, it, it, they imply that he's he's probably um, uh, fornicating with several yes. of the females, underage and overage. An appropriate um, use of the word grooming to describe yes. what he is trying to do to her. Well, she's like, I want nothing to do with this. I, by the way, unfortunately for that actor, whenever somebody plays a child molester in a TV show or a movie and they play it so creepily on point, I will always see th- – I know that person is not a child molester. But when I see this actor in anything else, I'm going to say, there's that child molester. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, so she she – like bites him, no, she hits him or something, like breaks his nose or breaks his finger, yeah. right? To get him to to go away from her. So they decide they're going to chop her up and eat her. Yes. <laughs> and when they've got it, they're pinning her down on this board. She grabs this meat cleaver and just knocks this guy in the neck and blood's going everywhere. I jumped <laughs> screaming and I'm doing it right now because it was so intense. That guy? The voice of Joel from the video game. Oh, really? Yeah. The entire first season is peppered with Easter eggs from people who were involved in the first huh. game. So close so, yeah. to Easter. It's nice to hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, – it's it's just a really, really good show. Yes. So it, it's on HBO Max, the full season. Watch it. Um, Pedro Pascal plays Joel. Um, he is the internet's daddy uh, for some reason now. Um, I love Pedro Pascal, so I'm yeah. not angry about it. I just, uh, what do you think? Uh, we didn't do this in season or in episode three because I don't think it had been formed yet. So, Rotten Tomatoes scores TV shows, and there's oh. a Rotten Tomatoes score, uh, for I don't know what they're called, they're not critics, but they're tomato tears. I don't know. Um, the, the <laughs> people, tears of tomatoes, the people who the tomatoes who, who uh, critique things all the time, and yeah. then there's audience. So, what do you think it is? There's critics. an audience score and yeah. a, oh okay. Um, I mean, it, it, everybody loved it. Critics, audiences. So I'm gonna say, critics said 92 and audience said 94. I'm always impressed with your ability to get close to these. 96 for the critics. Oh, they really they liked it more than I thought they did. And 89 <gasps> for Those, the audience. You damn audience! You better bump your scores you know up. <laughs> Just like in an election, if you don't vote. That's true. I will say, and this, I don't want to make this political, but uh, I do know that episode three and episode seven, was that the Ellie and Ripley? Um, seven was, yeah. Okay. Those two were um, review bombed by audience members who were homophobic. And I know people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Jeremy, people didn't like it because they were gay. Uh, if you look at um, the scores on Metacritic and if you go on IMDb, all the episodes have around, at the time when I looked, this was a couple of weeks ago, um, have around 80,000 votes. The two gay-themed episodes had over 200,000 votes. Um, and uh, it happens all the time. Um, homophobic people or transphobic people don't like LGBTQ storylines, so they'll review bomb it. It's a thing. Um, so that 89 is probably dragged down by co- oh, yeah. because of the homophobes. Uh, but taking them out... 9293. You mean taking them out? You don't mean like I said swim. what I said. <laughs> I mean swim with the fishes, right? Uh, I do not advocate for violence. So, I meant taking their reviews out of the listings. <laughs> All right, we have a we have a hot off the presses story to talk yes. about. This is a a headline from today. Yes. Um, uh, brought to you by the Washington Post. It's a story by Michael uh, Lavers, who uh, 
uh, is uh, has been with the Washington Blade for a, a quite a quite a few years. Um, during Pulse, he was down here in Orlando. Mm. He was covering Pulse for uh, the Blade. Uh, but Pope Francis gave an interview earlier this month to an Argentinian newspaper or a magazine. Um, and the headline says, Pope Francis says, gender ideology is one of the most dangerous colonizations in the world. In the world? Um, so what he said is, <laughs> gender ideology today is one of the most dangerous ideological colonizations. Why is it dangerous? This man, we talked about this earlier. I don't, this man has conversations with himself. That's not normal, is it? He needs to get a friend. He does, but he's like, why is it dangerous? Well, thanks for asking, Pope Francis. I'll answer. <laughs> thanks, Pope Francis, because it blurs differences and the values of men and women. All humanity is the tension of differences. It is the growth through the tension of differences. The question of gender is diluting the differences and making the world the same. All dull, all alike. And that is contrary to the human vocation. What the hell are you talking about, Francis? I mean, there's so much of that. I've, I've highlighted these things. Basically, it says the same stuff. His reasoning for saying this is so absurd to me, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, so you're gender fluid, or you're... You know, non-binary, gender fluid, transgender. Well, the world shouldn't give credit to you for for being that way because it's dull. Yeah, and he, it, that's what I understand because he seems to be like gender identity is bad because men and women are different, and difference and diversity is good. Well, wouldn't having letting people express themselves on whatever gender identity you want on the spectrum, wouldn't that bring the diversity you're talking about? Yeah. You know what's dull? So let's just take that photo. <laughs> oh, this is going to make somebody be sad. So we'll take that photo of, of, of the masquerade ball they were talking about in the beginning. Yes. I mean, there's there's definitely, so there's, there's no mask, clean yeah. cut, no mask, dull. And then you get to Dylan, and you're like, eyeliner, bejeweled, excitement. Like, like poor Ryan shows up. <laughs> I didn't even say his name. You did. Poor Ryan shows up, does his best for this company, <laughs> and we just beat this man down. I mean, he could have splurged five dollars for a mask or something. Come on, Ryan. No, no, he had his name tag on. He was the only one to wear his name tag. So, oh, well, kudos good, there you for go. that. You get a promotion. Technically, only one Watermark employee went to the masquerade. I definitely give Ryan a hard time, but Ryan is an amazing, amazing guy. He's a, he, he, he is. He's Ryan, I take credit for. I I found Ryan. Um, yeah, he is. He is the diamond in the rough of Tampa Bay that I found. He's he's amazing. He really is amazing. I was just saying that he's clean cut and wasn't wearing a mask. He was. Not, yes, that's Ryan true. is not a dull human being. <laughs> there were plenty of people there not wearing masks. They were all dull. I mean, but I guess the way the world should be, according to Pope. So there you go. Y'all have the Pope on your side. I just don't get. I just don't get this reasoning. This reasoning is so. He needs to ask himself more questions. Like yeah. why? Why am I? Why is this dumb to me? Yeah. He. Um, who listens to what the Pope says anyway? About six million people. <laughs> six billion. I don't yeah. know how many Catholics are. I there. don't know a lot. All the Catholics listen to him, except when they don't want to listen to him. But that's religion, isn't it? It, it is. It, uh, I'm so glad that you said that. You know, we, we were talking about bringing this up, and we're like, hey, this will, let's talk about religion and queer issues and how it's all related. And I feel like that's a eight-day conversation that we're going to squeeze into a little segment on this little podcast. Uh, but it is, you know, I, while I'm reading this and this reasoning and how it doesn't make any sense to me and how we're attacking uh, gender now, and how when I was, you know, younger and in my teens and early 20s, the attack was on, on, on gays, gay and lesbian. And the arguments are just as asinine today as they were back then. And yeah. look at where, you know, quote unquote religion is on LGBTQ issues today. I mean, it's not all there, but it's progressed some. So I just hope in some world as the years go by that 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 gender fluidity and transgender uh the transgender community um makes some gains because mm -hmm. this relentless attack on them is just 
it's it's just dull. Yes. Um, it's fascinating that um, uh, that uh, this talk of um, the spectrum and, and not being binary in our thought process uh, would come up with this conversation because um, over the past week, I actually ordered a book on this because I've been reading a lot about binary thinking and how that's kind of the crux of um, a lot of issues we have um, with relationships and, and dealing with each other, particularly in, in like polarizing topics like gender identity or um, religion. But uh, binary thinking is, as it sounds like, is just thinking there are only two sides to an idea or a, or an, a, a subject or a topic, and then believing you have to be on either side of that. And I feel like that's the main problem with a lot of the religious talk is it's viewed through this lens of good and evil. It's either it's either good or it's evil. And I feel like but mostly evil. But mostly. <laughs> um, but I feel like that if 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 he and I, this is what blew my mind when I was reading the interview where he seemed to be so against gender identity is more so than any pope before. He seems to be open to the idea of um, a spectrum of, of for sexuality. So I don't know why he can't apply that process to gender, because uh, he's he's he seems to be open for um, same-sex civil civil unions and um, opening and accepting to gay and lesbians and, and bisexuals. But then it's like, oh, gender, I don't understand that. Uh, apply the same thinking. It's it's that binary thinking of man or woman. You're you're this or you're that. And it's like nobody he can't seem to apply that spectrum to gender. And I don't understand that. It's probably because there's not enough, you know, public support behind it. And once there is, that'll open up again. Wait a minute. Do you mean that the Pope is making his decisions based on political uh, agendas? No, not the Pope. <laughs> not the Pope. I'm sure. He's the white smoke Pope. I'm sure. <laughs> Somebody watched the Da Vinci Code. Um, no, that w what was the other book he did? Oh, Angels and Demons. Mm. Good so Dan Brown. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Is there a moment, uh, is there a defining moment with your queerness and religion? Is there, a, do they intersect? Is there a moment that they uh, collide? I am so glad you asked that because I actually wrote a note. Um, I, I was raised um, mostly Baptist. Uh, we've, I was raised in a Christian household. Um, they're, most of the people in my family are Christians of, of one denomination or another. Um, but they're very open, accepting of, of me being gay. So, um, I've always had this kind of weird relationship with religion where I appreciate religion, um, for what it brings to the individual. And I wrote this quote down because, um, it's probably the most intelligent quote that has been spoken in any movie. And you're not going to guess what movie it's from, um, it's from Men in Black. And when Kay is talking to Jay about aliens being out there and Jay's like, well, just tell people, you know, tell the, the civilization that there's aliens. They're smart enough to understand that. And Kay says, a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals. And that has stuck with me since I saw that uh, movie because that's whenever I've been around, gone to church or been around a lot of religious people is there's that animalistic mentality of, um, kind of the hive mind, going back to The Last of Us, that hive mind of um, this is what is right, this is what is wrong, and we must attack everything that is wrong. But back in the in the 90s, um, I used to work at Sunny's Barbecue, and me and my friend Jason were invited to church by one of the dishwashers, this older gentleman. Uh, so we went, and this lady in a beautiful flower dress, I mean, she looked very, she was very meek, and she had a very low voice. And she was the 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 main the guy doing the sermon the preacher guy um, he was it was his wife and he's like oh you know she'd like to get up here I forget what her name was we'll call her Diane Diane would like to get up here and to talk about the bake sale where the fuck she wanted to talk about so she got up there and she went on this tangent um, starting off with her her ASMRE Jesus voice and she's like I just want you all to know that I pray for everyone and you should not hate the sinner just hate the sin and I hate that phrase. Um, but then like the demon rose out of her and she's like, but I cannot get behind these damn homosexuals. They're all going to burn in hell. 
And I looked at my friend Jason and I said, we need to get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> I think they're about to burn us. Um, now, he was not gay. And I was not out of did the you, Did you hide your boa at that point? <laughs> I put my dildo back in my purse. Um, <laughs> what was it out for? <laughs> it's church. Everybody was having but fun. More importantly, what color was your purse? <laughs> um, but, I mean, just the... the the hate and the, the 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 anger in her voice, and I'm like, I can't be in here. So um, that was the last time that I voluntarily went to church. I've been, for, I'm going to use air quotes, forced to go to church for weddings and baptisms, but um, I haven't ah. regularly gone to church <laughs> since then. And they let you in? You didn't catch fire? They did. They did. Yeah. Well, I good. didn't bring my purse. And they were like, ah, oh, he must be one of the streets. We fixed him. Um, so yeah, so that was uh, that was my experience where I was like, you know what? And I, I like to separate religion from, back to that, a person is, 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 is understanding. Um, spirituality I'm fine with. It's the, the whole forming of religion. How that do gets... they reconcile this, Jesus loves you, but you're going to burn in hell? Like, come on. So much crap. I just can't even. It makes me. Yeah. I I get so frustrated with it. Uh, honestly, I would love nothing more. So I I I feel like I'm, I'm, that I could talk about it on two different levels. One being like I agree with what you were the sentiment of what you were just saying. There is a, there is spirituality, um, and then there is religion. And religion, to me, before anybody gets upset, is to me is cultish. Uh, now, uh, spirituality and believing in God and all that is, is I think that the, that the, it's an amazing thing to be somebody, to be that person, to be a, a, someone who believes in that and to truly live your life that to, to do, to do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And all of that I think is amazing. And if you live your life that way, I support you 100%. And whether you do that through an organized religion or not, still I support you 100%, and that's great. But it's when this cult mentality of religion comes at you that it just, I no longer can, can, can be, I don't know, be part of that conversation. I just, I can't even listen to anybody. I, I feel like, you know, like, no. You, if, if, if you're going to say that Jesus loves you and then get that, Anger, like like this, like now we've got to make laws to destroy you. And how dare a man put on a dress and read a book to children? We must kill them all. Like it's so stupid to me. Like I can't, so I can't even listen to those arguments. But then there's another spectrum of it, and this is sort of what what puts me in the realm of where I would describe myself. I would say that I am, you know, mostly an atheist person. I wish that I could believe in all this. Trust me, there are people very close to me that I love that have passed away, and many more that will come to follow. And I would love to have this belief that that um, it's all that that we're all going to spend eternity together. But I just there's this sort of like logic of a burning bush and someone talking that I'm thinking like that's a that's a that's a metaphor, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it gets uh, it gets interesting. But I, I, I had a similar experience to you, where I, I was at church all the time, but like a switch, it flipped, and it was like I just don't want to ever go back. And it was, I was part of the. I went to go see this play, and it was this total propaganda. But I bought into it one hundred percent. And there are these people, and somebody would say, "I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior," and the, the best friend didn't. There's a car accident. They both die, and all the lights go red, and Satan comes out and drags the one person off the stage, mm. and the other girl, the best friend who did accept Jesus Christ, is like, if you had only accepted Jesus Christ, and right after that, somebody said, who accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior? I stood on a chair, literally waving my hands, <laughs> eyes closed. I accept Jesus Christ. I bought into 100%, and then right after that, went into a meeting where somebody was like, yeah, but we don't like gay people, right? That same night, I was like, you know what? Maybe that's not for me. Yeah. Maybe that's not for me. I, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a lot more that we can go on oh, and talk about this. I mean, we're just scratching the ones. surface. That is one of thousands of religious-themed stories that I have yeah. that will be found in my new book. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Right? I will suggest, though, uh, when it comes to, to, to being gay... Uh, there is a book called What the Bible Really Says About Homosexuality, and I read that 
Uh, and I, I, it, it puts things in a historical context, so you're not just looking at words on a page telling a story. And that, that really helped me reconcile this idea of yeah. eternity and hell. Looking ahead uh, at other episodes, there's a documentary called 1941 that looks at the word homosexual as it appears in the Bible. And it's called 1941 because that's the first year that the word homosexual actually appears in the Bible. Um, we should really check out that documentary maybe uh, in a future episode talk about that. Absolutely. Um, well, this, we're, we're getting close to the end of our show, so I just want to say that uh, if, you, if you like what you heard, you didn't like what you hear, if you have anything you want us to talk about, shoot us an email, WWN, that's for Wine, Why Not, WWN at watermarkonline.com. Yes, and until then, the cork is back in the bottle. Beautiful. <laughs>